everyone says they have no time because it's just seems to be the low hanging fruit, but understand that there probably is no excuse. You're a smart guy. You're successful. You can find your way through or around any problem. An excuse is just a barrier that you've put up in your mind because you're not willing to work hard enough. Welcome back to the Max Out Show, where I'm on a quest to help you make the most out of your potential. Today's guest is a legend of the fitness industry, Bobby Maximus, named one of the 100 fittest men of all time by Man's Health. This guy has done it all. World champion in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, ranked second in the world for kickboxing, coached for many elite athletes, and best-selling author of the Maximus Body. So naturally, we'll talk about becoming a total badass crushing any goal in your life, and also being a daddy. <laughs> so, Bobby, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much for that kind intro, all the kind words, and thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to have you. you know, this is the first time we're actually three people in a, in a room, I guess, to, doing an interview, so you got your cute little kid there. Yep. Um, just, uh, it was so interesting seeing you. I was going to start this off differently, but it was so interesting seeing you, you know, because I only know you, you know, online, you know, fighting, you know, you know, really these, these intense physical fights, right? And then seeing this nurturing, you know, caring guy, you know, caring for a three-month-year-old three child is, is just such a contrast. So was that ever a challenge for you, like managing those, those contrasts in your life between this, you know, intensely physical, you know, fighting game and then at the same time being this, you know, super nurturing and caring, you know, father? You know, not really. I mean, people look at, and, and we could get in a whole talk about the Instagram image, but when you see whoever your favorite sports star on TV is, and if it's soccer, maybe it's Ronaldo, or if it's basketball, maybe it's LeBron James, or if it's, if it's baseball, it's Mike Trout. If it's fighter, if it's a fighter, it's, it's uh, Khabib right now, or Tony Ferguson, or somebody else. The reality is you only see a sliver of that person's life. Like you only see, how much do you really know about LeBron James? He's arguably the most famous athlete in the world, but you see a small sliver of his life. And by the way, it's almost what he chooses you to, like chooses for you to see. So you see him on the basketball court, but then you think you know him because of his Instagram, but Instagrams are like a highly contrived world. Like he posts yeah. what he wants to post. So how much do you really know about that person? And it's a very small percent but people forget that at the end of the day whether it's lebron james ronaldo mike trout bobby maximus kim kardashian rihanna we're all just normal people like we go home to our house and we have the same fears that normal people have we go through the same struggles we have the same relationship shit we we have kids like at the end of the day it's a great equalizer yeah for sure so i find it so interesting so, so it's like I'm super curious. I'm fascinated with alter egos, right? With, with sort of a self-image that you create. Oftentimes, you know, big sports athletes, right? Whether it's Kobe Bryant, whatever, like use these alter egos to really get themselves ready for competition. Was Bobby Maximus the same thing for you? Like, was that something that you, you created for yourself to show up in competition? You know, maybe a little bit. Um, the way I explain it to people is if you looked at like a big circle, my real name's Robert McDonald. That's that entire circle. 
the person that you see as Bobby Maximus is a little portion of that circle. So it's all who I am. I'm just giving you certain aspects of my personality. So if you were to look at, say, the top 10 things I would use to define myself, maybe it's being a father. I studied restoration and Renaissance literature and romantic literature. I love Lord of the Rings. I love NBA basketball. I'm a UFC fighter. I love working out. Uh, maybe I write poetry in my spare time. I love to cook. Basically, if I take those 10 things, I've taken out two or three of them, and that's what I choose to show you as Bobby Maximus, if that, if that makes sense. Like, it's, it's who I am. It's authentic, but you're only getting a sliver of who I am. You're not getting the whole picture because you never could unless you live with me. And, and even you can, you can get a talk about um, how well do you actually really know yourself? Because a lot of people lie to themselves as well. So um, it's, all, it's all a skewed reality, if you will, but it's authentic to who I am. Yeah, for sure. And it's such an interesting point, right? Because 40s interview have been stalking you, of course, on, you know, online. But I didn't know about many of these things, right? I didn't know what you studied. I didn't know you like Lord of the Rings, this kind of stuff, right? Because that's the kind of stuff we don't see. And so it's so interesting, like, like you're saying here, how from the outside, it looks like you just, you know, you just like this tall badass, right? It's just, you know, able to like break through any wall, basically, right? But then, of course, there's all these other layers, just like with every other person, right? That like you don't see from the outside. And well, so yeah. And, and even if you look behind me right now, I don't know if you can see, there's kind of like a wall picture. Yeah. That, that's every season's tickets from the final season at Maple Leaf Gardens, which is a, a wow. famous hockey arena in, in Toronto. You wouldn't know I was a hockey fan by looking at my Instagram. You wouldn't know I collect sports memorabilia. So to really know somebody, you've almost got to live with them. Beyond that, you get a shadow of who they are or a glimpse of who they are. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, you touched a little bit on, on, you know, understanding ourselves. Do you feel like sports has, has helped you get to know yourself? Absolutely. Sports and working out, I'll group them together. But when you are in a sport or you are working out in the gym, for example, it's a very safe place to fail, right? Like what, what really happens? What's the real consequence if you lose a basketball game, lose a football game or lose a fight? Nothing really. Like you're not, it doesn't really affect your life that much. It's not fatal, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so it becomes a safe opportunity to learn from your failures, to rise above your failures, to put in practice a plan to succeed and then see it through from front to back. And if you learn those skills in the arena of sport, there's no reason that cannot transfer to building a successful podcast or getting the job of your dreams or getting a promotion because it's all the same stuff. Yeah, for sure. Now, what I find so fascinating about you is like you've been at the top of the game for like 25 years, right? Just daily workout, the daily grind. So like how has that developed over time for you, the mindset of just being able to do this? Like do you, do you feel like mentally, how have you changed over time? You know, you, you said something, you called it the daily grind. I think the key is I don't look at it as a grind. Yeah. If something that, you know what I mean? If, if you tell me that it's a grind to do your podcast, I would oh, tell you, not. <laughs> yeah. well, but stop doing your podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you doing it? Like, why yeah. are you grinding? Like, why should it be miserable? Something that you're passionate about, that you love, that you enjoy, it should never feel like work. And so really the secret to my success is I show up every day. 
that's it. Like I, I, I don't work out any harder than anybody else. I don't think I don't, I don't do anything special. I put all my workouts online. There's nothing secret. I'm not on a magic pill. I, I don't have some secret that you don't. I just show up every day and do my thing. And so the difference between me and someone who's unfit or someone who hasn't been successful is I really want to train today. I really want to show up. Uh, I love doing my Instagram. I love writing people back on email. I love doing podcasts like this. Like it never feels, even if I work from 6 a.m. till 10 p.m., it doesn't feel like work for me because I'm doing what I love. And so that's a real secret. What I would tell people is find what you love and do that thing. Can you imagine how fun your job would be if you loved cooking and you could get a job on the, on the Food Network? Like that would be amazing. Yeah, there's yes. stuff about it that you wouldn't like, but what a fun experience versus having to go to an office you hate, working for a boss you hate, living a life you hate. That would not be very fun. No, I absolutely love that. And you're absolutely right. So I think from the outside, it oftentimes looks like the grind, right? It oftentimes looks like, you know, those people need like this incredible mental toughness and self-discipline and all that. But what you're saying here, and I've realized it's the same in my own running. I've been running every day for like 10 years now. It's like, I love running, right? So for me, it's easy to just head out there and do a couple of miles because it's like, it's who I am. It's part of like what I love most about life. Yep. And so I love what you're saying here about just, you know, if you love what you do, it's going to be easy almost, right? It's not work. It's not work. And yeah. it doesn't mean that you have to love everything about what you do. Because obviously there's things about maybe, you know, producing a podcast that you don't like. But if you really love the end result, it's easy to show up and go to work. Can you imagine how hard it would be to be enthusiastic and motivated if you absolutely hated this? Gosh, you wouldn't be able yeah. to do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So um, it's, it's, it's interesting for sure. And I wish that more people would recognize that. One of the, the exercises I do with some of my corporate people, uh, I do corporate coaching. A lot of people don't know this. Um, I call it corporate coaching. It's high-level online training, nutrition, stress management, and life psychology. And I work with people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And so you could hire me, and I would help you piece your life together, if you will, using fitness as a vehicle. But one of the things I always ask people in our sessions is, if money was no object, if you were taken care of for the rest of your life, what would you do? And a lot of people don't know the answer to that. And sometimes it would be something that you wouldn't even think you might paint, you might uh, be a blackjack dealer, you might work at Starbucks, you might, like what would it be, Max, that you would wanna do if money was no object? Do you I know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. And I can ask you, but like a lot of people don't know the answer to that question. And so they get stuck in a life of what I call perpetual misery because they have no idea how to fulfill themselves. Yeah. That's so interesting. And this, this alignment between like the lessons we learn from sports and how it's applicable to so many other areas of life is, is so interesting to me. So, yep. so you talked about some of the things you work on with people, especially, you know, stress is so interesting because, you know, Going into this ring, knowing, you know, standing in front of an opponent must be like one of the most terrifying, at least from the outside, it looks like one of the most terrifying things you could possibly do on earth. Um, does you that, know, like, what are, what are some of the lessons you've learned about dealing, you know, with, with these high stress and high, maybe even anxiety or fear situations? So, you know, it can be ter terrifying, but the more you get used to it, the more it becomes commonplace. So... I tell a story, my first fight, I don't even remember. I can't tell you what happened in it. I blacked out. I, it's like you're looking you know, through the world like in toilet paper tubes, right? 
Um, but by your final fight, you're very cognizant of what's going on. You remember things. You can talk to people. You can, you're just desensitized to it. So one of the things that that taught me about was that experience is everything. Yeah. Do you remember, for example, your first podcast, how terrifying that was? Or oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, did I prepare enough? Did I not prepare? Eventually you get to a point after you've done a hundred of these things that you get it. You know what I'm saying? And so fighting is no different. So it taught me that if you want to be good at something and you want to get acclimatized to something, you really just have to do it every day. And then for me, punching somebody or kicking somebody it's not an act of violence. It's no different than kicking a soccer ball or shooting a basketball or, sorry, going for a swim. It's, it's, it's all the same stuff because you're desensitized to it. And by the way, I never looked at it as an act of violence. Like I never at fight practice would, was thinking about hurting somebody. Oh, of or course, yeah. In fact, if you hurt an opponent, you feel terrible. Mm -hmm. Like, cause that's their career and you wouldn't want that to happen to you. So it's actually uh, a lot more, boring and mundane and and things like that than people think versus like the guy in a bar who's getting in, in the first fight of his life and he's red-faced <laughs> and agitated and stressed and I'm, I'm just on chill yeah that's interesting how how much do you think that is like this desensitization is a natural process that just occurs because you do it versus something that you deliberately sort of develop I, I think it's exposure, to be honest with you. I think, I think, and I think that can be dangerous, by the way, because I think the more you get exposed to something, the more regular it becomes. And if you're exposed to danger all the time, danger stops being dangerous. You understand what I mean? And, and so you have to be really careful of that because you can also be desensitized to how somebody talks to you. Like if you grew up in an abusive family, where your parents called you a piece of shit all the time and told you to go fuck yourself and hit you, you would think that's completely normal. And you may talk like that to other people because you've got no barometer because you become desensitized to it. So I don't think it's a self-work thing. I think it just happens from exposure. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, so what does your self-talk look like then when, you, when, you, when you, you know, you're about to you know, face this opponent or it's the same for your corporate clients, right? Whether they're about to give a speech or go into this important interview, like how do you prepare mentally for those moments where everything's on the line? You know, it's more of a, for me, it's a positive self-talk thing because I get nervous. I'm trying to think about how I would word this. It's, I was bullied a lot till I was 15 years old, 16 years old, uh, even a little bit beyond that. Um, it's, it's something that, that I have a hard time talking about because I think every kid was bullied to a degree. There's been someone somewhere that's called you a name or put you down or didn't respect your feelings or whatever. Um, but kids used to punch me in the face, draw my face with marker, give me wedgies, stuff like that. And so I've never really been a fully competent person, if you will. And so when I started fighting in the UFC, I was plagued with negative self-talk. Things like, am I good enough to be here? What if I lose? Are people going to judge me? What are people going to think about me? All that kind of stuff. And one of the things that got me through was I worked with a sports psychologist named Brian Kane, focusing on positive thinking exercises to start allowing myself to believe in myself. And the more you tell yourself negative things, the more negative you become. The more positive things you tell yourself, the more positive you become. And so I would 
constantly do these positive talk exercises, but that doesn't just relate to fighting because I could be the most confident fighter in the world, but I could be terrified to ask a girl out. I could be great at asking girls out and I could be terrible at job interviews. Everyone's got some area where they're not secure and they need some help in the realm of positive self-talk. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, so when you're talking about self-talk, is this, is this really about this green light thoughts concept that you talk about? Yeah, that's exactly it. And so red light thoughts are negative self-talk. They shut you down. They prevent you from going forward. Positive thoughts are green light thoughts. And those are the thoughts that will propel you to success. Yeah, I think it's such a great metaphor to use in terms of like this thought I should think and this this one I, sh I should avoid, right? Now, now going back to what you said before about the, the bullying, do you feel like that drove you into, you know, you know, being after being bullied, do you feel like that actually drove you into then learning to be confident in your, your guess, physical skills and fighting skills? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, it, it, uh, I was beat up when I was 15 years old by a couple of hockey guys who broke my collarbone. Um, and that got me into wrestling directly because I wanted to learn how to defend myself. Um, and I couldn't make any other sports team. And so that's what I decided to do. Um, I was terrible at the start, but after showing up every day for two years, I started to get good, just like anything. Like you could be the worst at something in the world. So what's, what's an area you don't know anything about? Do you know anything about electricity or plumbing? Oh, no idea. So, okay, if you practiced though plumbing two hours a day for the next two years, you could probably do a lot of stuff. Like that's oh, like yeah. a lot of hours. You could probably work as a, mm -hmm. as a licensed plumber. And so, especially if you had a good coach or a mentor or someone who was a plumber teaching you, you understand what I'm saying? And so that, that process made me into who I am today. But I think the process of bullying helped me because I had to learn how to help myself, how to deal with not being confident. And so what that's really helped with is me working with other people. Because I wasn't a person that was naturally talented. I wasn't a person that had it all. I was a person that had to face failure. And so I think that makes me a better coach because I know how to deal with that. Right? Yes, the, the person that's already successful doesn't need a coach at that. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the person that's broken or hurt or, or needs rebuilding, I know how to do that because I've been there. Yeah, so talk to us about that, that process of rebuilding yourself from almost from scratch, right? Because I think... This is so interesting. Like what, what are the most important, I guess, key aspects as, as a coach maybe or as someone that's looking for coaching and is looking for guidance, what should people look for when they're trying to rebuild themselves like that? You know, again, and it's going to sound simple, but it's showing up. It's one of the reasons my catchphrase is every damn day because if you want to be good at something, you have to do it every day. And so if you've been insecure for the last 10 years and you've had a hard time with negative self-talk, do you really think that two minutes of talking to yourself positively is going to fix that? No, you can't, you can't overwrite 10 years of behavior in a day or two days or three days or maybe even a year. And so the, the reality is any type of self-work that you're going to do, um, you're going to have to work at it for a long time and you're going to have to put real effort in. People have this idea that they're going to read a self-help book and they're all of a sudden going to be healed, but it doesn't work like that. Like that's just the start. They give you the tools of what to do, but now you have to go on your own and work at it day after day after day after day, sometimes for years. And a lot of people in this world don't have the stomach for it. They quit because they don't see an immediate result, but it doesn't work like that. 
Yeah, for sure. So, so how do you help people then? You know, they're, they're, there's so many people out there, they're in this habit of always quitting, right? They set a goal, they like, don't really feel like they're getting any closer and so they quit. Uh, maybe two weeks in, right? We all know this after New Year's Eve, right? Maybe a month in. How could people, you know, learn to stick with the process long enough to actually see those results? I think, I think to give them tangible, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tangible, available, realistic uh, goals, if you will. And so... I don't want to give you a goal of running a two-hour marathon because that's so far down the road. You're probably not wired for that kind of training. There are some people that, that are good with overarching bigger goals. My goals for you are going to be, Max, this week, I just want you to run 30 minutes a day. You just have to show up 30 minutes a day. Let's focus on that because I know that if you run 30 minutes a day, you're going to be a better runner. Then I know if I up that goal to, hey, we've done 30 minutes a day for the last month. You've done great. We're going to do an hour a day this month. You think you're up for that? And I know if you're running an hour a day, you're going to be an even better runner. So if I give you these small little bite-sized chunks, then, and if we focus on the process, success will come in the end. Because success isn't a magic thing. All, all good world-class runners have the same thing in common. They just run all the time. Yeah. So if I, if I can get you to do that, and those will be your goals. So when we look at fitness, because that's my area of expertise, if you will, if I want to get you more fit, my goal is not for you to put on 20 pounds of muscle, not for you to lose 20 pounds of fat, not for you to – my goal is to have you show up every day for an hour, eat a certain amount of meals a day, and sleep eight hours a night. And if you do those things, I know you will get more fit. And then every day you're experiencing a success because you showed up today. That feels good. And success breeds success versus giving you some goal you're not going to hit for eight months. and You're never going to get there. You know, I love this so much, right? Because the process, like it will deliver results. Like you said before, like there are no, you know, magic fixes, magic pills, whatever. Like if you do the work, you will get the result, right? Like there's no way you're going to start exercising. There's no way you're going to start eating healthy and not see any results over the long run. So I love what you're saying here about really breaking it down to daily, like daily workouts, right? Daily, whatever it is, daily healthy eating and just focusing day by day by day, getting those quick successes. It's just small little things. And if you do it, I mean, it's, it's actually funny. Um, my 11 year old. So I'll tell you what, uh, today, um, we were doing math together and he's homeschooling because of the COVID-19 thing. And it blows me away how smart this kid is <laughs> like with math. It's, it's stuff that, that, that's really, really difficult if you look at it. And I think there's a lot of adults out there that couldn't pass his math test. If wow. You yeah. And, and sometimes I look at it and I'm astounded at how brilliant the kid is. And I wonder like, how did he get so damn good at math? Like, I, I don't, this is beyond the comprehension of a lot of people that are really smart. You know what the secret is? He showed up at school every day for the past five years. <laughs> like that's, that's it. And if you did that every day too, if you did the math homework, if you sat and watched the math videos every day, you too would be really good at math. So, so kids, I think, um, raising my kids has taught me a lot because they just get good at what they're exposed to. The other thing is, is he's really good at Taekwondo, um, really good at kicking and punching and fighting. Um, makes me really proud as a dad. And, and I wonder like if I did something special or if it's genetic or it's, 
No, he's just been exposed to fighting his whole life. And he shows up and he works hard when he goes to fighting class. And so he, he, got, he got good at it. And so everyone's looking for this magic secret out there. If you show up every day, good things are going to happen. And you see it with your kids. If your kids practice something every day, they get good at it. Video games. If you play, are, you a, are you a gamer by any chance? I uh, used to be. Used to be. Not, not anymore. <laughs> like whatever, whatever game you play, if you start playing a video game, you're probably pretty bad at it. If you play it every day. You get really, really good. So it's, it's not, it's not special. And I don't know why people make success special. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. And no, I love that. So wh- what are some of those lessons you try to instill in your kids? Well, I think, I think the big thing with the kids is to work hard every day that, that there's no free lunches. Um, you know, even with the kids, like I involve them in my work. So as, as the life of like an Instagram personality, if you will, or influencer, we get a lot of free stuff, right? Wow, yeah. But it's not, but it's not free because you have to work for it. And so we get clothes that show up at our door. We get we get Traeger grills that show up at our door. We get meat, we get supplements, we get and it would be easy to pass those off as free things, but I had to work a lot of years to get to this point. Like someone doesn't sponsor me. For example, I'm in a really good sponsorship relationship with Lalo Shoes and with Ten Thousand Clothing. But they didn't just randomly find me on the internet, <laughs> hook me up. Like I had to work a lot of years for that. So when I am working on my phone, I talk to my kids about what I do. I have them take pictures for me. I have them take part in the work because this is what we do. Uh, they run classes at the gym for me sometimes. I have them teach at the gym. Sometimes I let them make up workouts. Um, they work out with me. So I try to just involve them as much as possible so they can see what I do and the effort that I put in. Yeah, I absolutely love that. You know, it reminds me of this great story I read in um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography, uh, Total Recall, where he talks about, you know, ever since he was a young kid growing up in Austria, he had to earn his breakfast, right? So like, he had to do a workout to earn his right to have breakfast in the morning. And that like allowed him to create this mindset where he just like learned to love working out and learn to do that work. Right. And learn to earn his, his rewards, earn his success. I love that. Yeah. And I think it's important kids, you talk to them about what you do, that there's nothing free. And I, I think, I think we have a really good, honest and open relationship. I mean, if I was to tell you, um, you know, the, the, the one that you just saw, he's my best friend. Like we talk about stuff, we confide in each other, we help each other, um, and we work together. And that's the same with our whole family. I mean, even our, maybe my three-year-old, we make him do stuff. He has to work. Like he has to, when we, when we go to Costco and buy groceries, he's got to carry stuff downstairs. So I think it's really important for kids to just learn the value of hard work. Yeah, I love that because I see so many kids like just being baby tempered, right? Like they, it's just like, like as parents, like... I guess looking at it from the outside, because we talked about this before, I'm not one, right? But looking at it from the outside, it seems like most parents just want to make life so easy for their kids, right? They want to, you know, of course, provide them a good life and everything, but also make things so easy for them so they don't have to work as hard. But, but what I'm here really getting at is like this value of, of teaching them how to work hard. Yeah, and I would say this, if you want to help your kids, show them how to work hard. Because babying them, that's a bad precedent in the future. They shouldn't be babies. Like they should know how to work and they should know how to take care of themselves. You know, the, the, the other thing is like, have, have your eldest child help look after the youngest. Mm-hmm. Teach them responsibility, get them a pet and have them take care of it. Like 
it really helps those lessons really help your kids later on. And if you never get that, you grow up to be an entitled punk and you, and you never can handle. Cause listen, there's this lie that parents tell their kids and, and tell me, have you ever been told this max? You can be whatever you want to be. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's a lie. That's not true. Like not everyone gets to be an astronaut. Not everybody <laughs> gets to play professional sports. Like you can't just be whatever you want to be. I think, what what we've done as parents it's a mistake is we tell our kids you can be whatever you want you can do whatever you want we forget to tell them the second half of the equation if you work your ass off every damn day if you're willing to sacrifice if you're willing to give your heart and soul and give more than the person next to you then yes you can be whatever you want but again not everyone gets to be an astronaut so you you, you better be prepared to fail and know how to how to deal with failure or you better be prepared to work harder than everybody else. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's so important as, as a lesson, I think, for anybody to learn. Now let's go back to this, this no excuses mentality we talked about before. You know, before we were shooting this, this, this podcast here, you're talking about how not even kids are an excuse, you know, not to work hard, not to, you know, be all in on your business. So what are some of the most common excuses you see people, you know, utter when it comes to working out, when it comes to living their best lives and how can they overcome those? You know, I, I think the easy ones people go for our time is the number one excuse. Mm -hmm. Everyone says they have no time because it's just seems to be the low hanging fruit, but understand that there probably is no excuse. You're a smart guy. You're successful. You can find your way through or around any problem. An excuse is just a barrier that you've put up in your mind because you're not willing to work hard enough. It's all they are. And you could have a million of them. So not enough time, not enough equipment. My boss doesn't like me. Um, my podcast isn't doing well because Apple has some algorithm and doesn't rate it high enough. It doesn't, I mean, you can come up with a million things to, to describe why you're not successful and, and let that drive you to failure or you can use obstacles as a learning tool and, and, and find a way through or around them and, and be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. What has been the biggest challenge for you in your athletic career? Oh, uh, I would say overcoming a natural lack of a, a, a natural lack of athleticism. Like I'm not yeah. the person that's naturally athletic. I'm not the person that can do flips. I'm not the person that can do, you know, all these crazy things. Like I've had to work for everything I have. So I think that's the biggest challenge I've had. Um, the other one that would be, would be uh, intertwined with that is negative self-talk. If I, yeah. if I could get better at positive self-talk, I, I, I would be a lot better. So those two areas. Yeah. What, what do you think was the biggest thing that, that, that set you apart from other competitors? Uh, just my ability to never quit. I think yeah. there's a lot of people that quit when things get hard. I just never have. Um, I don't quit at anything. And so I think perseverance goes a long way. And by the way, I say that compared to other competitors, all the people I fought with had the same stuff. Like they, they never quit either. It's the people that never made it. Those are the ones that quit. Do you know yeah, what I mean? So that's the difference between a pro and a non-pro is I'm just willing to, you know, show up earlier and stay later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the beautiful thing about that is it's, it's a lifelong game, right? So it's like, even, you know, if you're not fighting anymore, but it's until the day you die, you can always have this mindset of I'm not going to quit. Right. Sure. Yeah. Just show up. Try. 
you know? I mean, like, that's, that's kind of what, what I always say to people when people are complaining or they make excuses. I just say try harder. <laughs> like, it if is. you want it that bad, try harder. If you don't, shut up and quit. Leave me alone. Your choice. Yeah, I love that because it makes life so simple, right? Either you take that ownership and a responsibility of, are you going to do work or you just, you know, stop and stop talking about it. Just try harder. Yeah. Love that. Now, on the show, what I always love to do is celebrate failure as a stepping stone to learning, to, you know, growth, to personal success. So do you have a favorite failure throughout your career? Yeah, probably uh, UFC 62. So... UFC 53, this is a bit of a long story, but it'll make sense. In UFC 53, I was fighting. Uh, it was my first real pro fight in the UFC. I was fighting in the Mandalay Bay. There's what, 20,000 people there. And before that fight, I was filled with negative self-talk. I'm not good enough to be here. I'm not going to win. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm, as you can imagine, I lost that fight really bad. When I left there, I didn't know what to do. I was really talented. I was physically, you know, at the top of my game. I didn't know how I was going to get better. So I saw a sports psychologist and he really helped me with positive self-talk. So I did these positive self-talk exercises for a few months. And my next fight, which was June 28, 2006, I won a fight. Like, like it was the best I ever fought in my life. Wow. And so rather than keep doing the positive self-talk exercises, I fired my sports psychologist because I thought I was cured. Like I didn't <laughs> need him anymore. I was good to go. I, I was better. And uh, a couple months later, I was fighting in the UFC again, Mandalay Bay again, and all the negative self-talk came back. And I lost that fight in UFC 62. And that's my favorite failure because that fight that I lost taught me that positive self-talk exercises, that dealing with your own limitations, it probably was a lifetime thing. It wasn't something that was just going to go away in a few months. You couldn't slap a Band-Aid on it. it. It wasn't going to be three easy payments of $9.99. It, it, it wasn't going to be a 90-day a, a get ripped and fit and fast process that it was going to be a lifelong thing. So that failure, I think, taught me more than anything else. You know, I love this, this, this fact that, like, you know, becoming the best version of yourself, training your mind, all this stuff, it's a lifelong journey. It will never end. So... Um, I just, I just love what, what, what you're saying here, really. Um, I'm really curious. Do you have like a favorite mantra or quote that, you know, you've developed over time that you keep repeating to yourself or yeah, does it change all the time? No, it's the one that's on the back of my shirt every damn day. That's mm -hmm. like the main, that's the real reason for my success is just showing up every day and being, you know, being willing to do the work that no one else is willing to do. And it's not that hard. You, you know, my wrestling coach, um, used to have this phrase that the hardest part's putting your shoes on. And at the time I never used to understand, you know what I mean? Like, but now I get it because sometimes the hardest thing is to just show up and put in the work, you know? So. Yeah. You know, it, it reminds me because, because in running, I, I noticed the same thing that like as soon, you know, it, it can be, you know, 5am in the morning, cold and rainy out there. It gets cold here in Switzerland, you know, I put, but like, I get out of bed, I put on my running shoes. And in that moment, like motivation almost like hits me, right? Because as soon as you're out there, as soon as you start like moving, as soon as you start doing a little bit, you start to get more energy, right? You start to get more excited. So what I've realized is just like taking that first little tiny step can go a long way and then helping you actually do the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's the biggest thing, show up. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, Bobby, I'm obsessed with this idea of memento mori, of you know, remembering death and always, you know, keeping that in mind as I, as I go through my life. Is that something that you actively also think about? Not necessarily about dying, but I did lose my dad when he was, when I was 20 years old. And so I do realize how fragile life is and how it can be taken away. And so one of the things for me is life's too short. Don't do stuff you hate. Be happy. You know, follow your dreams. It goes back to what I was saying earlier in the podcast about what's the thing that would you would do if money was no object. Find that thing and do it and enjoy it because, you know, a lot of people spend their life working, miserable, waiting for retirement, and then they retire and they die two months later. Like, why would I? Yeah, I don't want that. I want to live my life while I'm young and happy. It's almost like we should do life in reverse. Like, I want to be retired from like 20 to 50 and then work <laughs> Do, do you feel yeah. like that's reti- that's been retirement over the last decades? Yeah, I think I think people retire and then they die because they're bored and they don't know what to do and they lost themselves versus like doing something you really love at a young age. Yeah, I love that. Now, before I ask my final question, where can listeners connect with you online? At Bobby Maximus is all my social. They can find anything there. That would be great. And then www.bobbymaximus.com. So those two places and you'll find everything that I do uh, in those two hubs. What does it mean for you to max out your life? You know, probably a little different than what most people think. It's not about making money. It's not about, it's just spending every day doing what I want to do and what I love doing. Like I love my kids. I love spending time with them. I built a life where I can see them every day. That makes me happy. That to me is maxing out life because I'm doing what I want to do. All right, guys, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems that'll hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's gonna set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gained. And so I really wanna challenge you at this point to you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this you know, passively, just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. So really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, friend, a loved one maybe that you think could benefit from this content, please consider, you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now, guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.